How many of you ready to feast on God's word? Well, speaking of feasting, uh, what do you call organic, gluten-free, sugar-free brownies? Compost. <laughs> the word will be way better than that today. <laughs> so we're, we're so excited to be in this series called the, the Four Cups, God's Timeless Promises for a Life of Fulfillment. And, and today I want you to, to, to get out your notes and make sure you're writing down, you know, you actually have about a you know, uh, about five times more likely to actually remember what was said here if you will write it down and take notes. So we've provided those to you uh, today. And we're, we're in sermon number three of a sermon series called The Four Cups. And, uh, and we want to share this revelation with our entire congregation because it is powerful and, uh, and life-changing. Um, the Four Cups is a sermon series based on uh, Exodus chapter 6. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor started off with a, a just an extremely powerful message on the Four Cups and about God's promises. Now, God's promises, those four promises are revealed in Exodus chapter 6, and they're read to this day in the Jewish Passover. You see, for us, we celebrate communion, uh, and we remember what Jesus did on the cross and uh, for us in dying, the broken body, and the blood that was shed. But Jesus, in his setting, when he shared the very first communion, he was actually eating the Passover meal with his disciples. In Luke 22, it even says he was very excited to eat that meal, that final last meal. Now, for a Jew, they would actually read, even to this day, they read from Exodus chapter 6. And this is what this verse says, and you can read it along with us on the screen. This is called the four I will statements from God. They're read to this day during the Passover. And it says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord your God, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and the mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I want you to understand something there uh, though today about Passover that would be critical for, for us to understand. You can't experience any of the cups, any of the promises of Passover without the main feature of Passover. Now the main feature of Passover we don't have here. It's not just the bread and the cups. Does anyone know what the main feature of Passover is? It's actually the lamb. The lamb is the main feature of Passover. See, in Egypt, when God said, I am going to come and take all the firstborn as a judgment upon Egypt, he said this. He says, but if you will sacrifice a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost of your house, I will pass over you. That's how we get the name. 
And so what did the, the people of God do? They, they would actually slaughter the lamb and then they, they took the blood and they put it on the doorpost. Now they had been celebrating Passover for years and years and reading Exodus chapter 6 is what God told Moses to say. But I want to say this to you that the feature of Passover is the lamb. And the feature of every promise from Genesis to Revelation is the Lamb of God, Jesus Himself. And I want to say this today. There is no way to experience any of the cups apart from the Lamb. There is no way to experience any of the promises that we're going to talk about today apart from the Lamb. There's beautiful symbolism. It's probably the greatest uh, symbol in the Old Testament. The foreshadowing of Christ called the Paschal Lamb. It's the Passover Lamb. This Lamb had to be without blemish. It was perfect. Jesus Christ came and lived a sinless life. Over a hundred times, He is referred to as the Lamb. When John sees him from the, for the very first time, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not only did the Lamb at Passover have to be perfect, but it had to be slaughtered. It had to give its life. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to give His life to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could partake in the promises that he wants us to partake in. And this is a beautiful, beautiful truth about Passover. If when you slaughtered the lamb and, and prepared it and brought it in to this meal. If the one rule was all of it had to be consumed. All of it had to be eaten. And if your family couldn't eat all of it, you went and got another family who was nearby and you two got together and you ate all of the lamb. And I want to say this to you. There is still lamb to be shared. There is still Jesus. There is still the sacrificed lamb to be shared. And there is always room at the table. There is room today for your neighbors. And, and, and while I want us all to be experiencing the promises, these promises are not only for us in the church, it's for those that need the lamb shared with them. They need the lamb shared with them. And I want to say to you, Calvary, I am so happy for those who made a decision for Christ last week, but there are more. Maybe you're here today and you need to make a decision for Christ but chances are they're probably sitting at home or they're out experiencing this weather having a great time they're actually listening to God's sermon today cuz God says the earth the creation it declares him it's declaring him today and i wonder uh, if if in the middle of this four cup sermon series if you won't just think about the lamb and that there's more than enough to be shared. And that we need to be thinking about sharing the lamb with our neighbors, with our friends, and those who don't know him. So Passover centered around the lamb. Now, there were four cups that were connected to uh, 
Passover, and they're connected to each one of those I will promises. The first one says, I will, you know, bring you out of the bondage of the Egyptians. It is the cup of sanctification. They named it that, by the way. That is the name of the cup in Hebrew. It's the cup of salvation. It's the cup of salvation. The second cup at that Passover table, it is named the cup of deliverance, which we're going to talk about today. But it seems a little odd that God says, I will set you free from the yoke of the Egyptians. And then he says it again. I will set you free from being slaves. It sounds redundant. It's not. It's actually two different things. So there's the cup of sanctification. And then there's this cup of deliverance this is the actual name at passover if you get that as a revelation you'll understand whoa god really does have a promise for me to save me to deliver me and then uh after pastor steve myandra comes we're going to continue in this series and we're going to talk about the cup of redemption The cup of redemption is this cup of restoration. To restore, it actually means to bring something back into its original state so that it can function in what it was intended to function in. God wants to redeem. God wants to do something so that you can actually see the kingdom around you expand. It's the cup of redemption. And this last one is very interesting. All of these are very personal cups. But this one, you go from the individual to being a people in Exodus chapter 6. It's the cup of praise. And we're going to talk about that. This is really the cup of fulfillment. This is where you actually begin to walk in the things that God wants you to walk in. And this is really a spiritual journey. And today, we're going to talk about cup number two. It's called the cup of deliverance. The cup of deliverance. You know, here at Calvary, the way that we say this, it's on the back of your bulletin. It is our vision to see every person saved, healed, empowered, and launched. It's our vision to see every person saved, healed, empowered, and launched. But today, I want to, first of all, make sure that you understand the distinction between the first two cups. This first cup is the cup of salvation. This one is so amazing. It, it, it's, it's so terrific. It's almost unbelievable how good God is in this first cup of salvation. But it's very distinct from the second cup. And God doesn't mix the two. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 in the New Living Translation. You have to see this. God saved you by His, everybody say that next word, grace. His undeserved favor. God saved you by His grace when you what? Believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. This is God saying, listen, I have to get you out of Egypt. 
I have to get you out of sin. I have to get you out of darkness. He does that work by His His amazing grace. And He comes and He says, Listen, I am giving you that cup of salvation. When? When you believe. This is God saying, I am getting you out of Egypt. I'm taking you out of darkness and bringing you in to the kingdom of light. And it is completely different. You say, is it really that easy? That I receive salvation when I believe? It is that easy. God made it easy. He didn't want any stumbling blocks. He said, when you believe... When you place your faith, when you give your life in response to what Jesus did on the cross, he says, I give it to you. It's a free gift. You believe. Now, what I will say is, is that there is a follow-up to it. Because, you know, those of us who have been around the church for a little while, we say, well, you know, that's awesome that that, that salvation is easy. But boy, it feels like, you know, there's some stuff to do. And I I know I've read the Bible and I know that there are some some works to be done and there. There are some works to be done, but that's not cup one. That's God's job. And he gives it to us freely. The next cup. Is where the hard work begins. And today I'm going to call you to maybe a little bit of hard work. In the spirit. Maybe for you to step out into some areas. Philippians 2 says it this way. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Not for your salvation. He is not saying, hey, work for your salvation. He says, in light of being saved, let's actually put some effort into our lives. Obeying God. With deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Listen to what, listen to what we give our efforts toward. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Listen. God wants us to actually make some decision and make some moves in our lives to see cup two come to pass. He wants us To actually partner with him to see the cup of deliverance come to pass in our lives. You say, well, why does it work that way? If salvation is free, why is he now telling us to work hard? Here's here's why. And this this isn't in your notes, but you can write this down. Uh, You are uh, a triune, a lot like God. You are a three-part being. You have a body, and that would just be the physical part of you. Well said. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions. But you also have a spirit. And your spirit is the part that's like God. Now, when you drink that first cup, that cup of salvation, your spirit becomes perfect. Here's how I know that. You get forgiven of your sin because you cannot be in the presence of God and be in sin. Your spirit gets perfected by the blood of Jesus. However, you still have those other two hanging out. Your body and your soul. I like to tell our young people, listen, your body doesn't know you're saved. Especially when we're talking about relationships. 
I said, your body is kind of like a light switch. On and off. That's all it is. And neither your body or soul are good leaders. Your body is a horrible leader. I promise you, your body will tell you to eat too much, sleep too much. Your body is going to ask for things that aren't necessarily what's best for it. My body does not ask for the treadmill. It asks for the couch. Your body's a bad leader. And if you've ever known anybody who lives their life by emotion, you know that your soul's not a good leader either. If you live your life by emotions, it's, it's, you'll, you, you'll be in the tank. Matter of fact, you'll do things that hurt your body when you're led by emotions. And hurt your spirit. That wear on your spirit. You'll do things that you, you know you wouldn't normally do. You know, your soulless person, if you get into depression, people get into depression, and I'm not, I'm not bashing on that in any way, but you get into depression, and they think suicide's the answer. Your emotions say suicide's the answer. And you know what your soul's saying? Body, I don't care what's good for you. I'm ending this. Your soul is not a good leader. Your mind, will, and emotions, it is not a good leader. Your body is not a good leader. Your spirit is a good leader, and Cup two is all about getting your spirit stronger than the other two. Now, what I want to say to you today is that commonly there are three areas of baggage that people carry around that keep them stuck in cup two for a lifetime. A lifetime. Uh, studies have shown 87% of the church stay right here their whole life, never moving on to experience the other promises that God has for them. They stay stuck as the word that was given right here. They may be saved, they may be on their way to heaven. But they stay stuck and they never move in to what God has for them in light of the people that are around them and what God wants to do through them for his kingdom. Three common areas that we all need deliverance in. We all need the cup of deliverance. By the way, why don't you look at your neighbor and tell them. I need deliverance. Now see, you guys would have said it a lot louder if if I was, if I had said, you need deliverance. You would have been like, yeah, you need deliverance. But see, you're not convinced you need deliverance, but, and, and I am. I am. I'm absolutely convinced of it. We all need deliverance. Every single one of us need deliverance in the soulless realm and in our bodies. We need deliverance. But there's three common areas that we have to deal with the baggage. We have to deal with this. And this is where you put the hard work in. 
The first area is victory over sin. The way I, uh, I would describe this is this, this is the stuff that we do to ourselves. Victory over sin. It's the stuff that we do to ourselves. It's the bad choices. It is every way in which we break God's law, God's way. It is also, sin is also a condition. But primarily what we are, the way that we are stuck, the way that we are, what we are carrying around is the stuff that we're doing to ourselves. Listen, you're keeping good company, by the way. The Apostle Paul talked about this very thing in Romans chapter 7. And we're going to read this together. And you are going to see what he was saying probably in a new light. The Apostle Paul, when talking about sin and the condition of his body and soul and spirit, he penned these words. He said, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, that's the spirit. Evil is right there with me. That's the soul and the body. For my inner being, I, I, I delight in God's law. That's the spirit. But I see another law at work in me, in the body and the soul, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then he's just like in the mirror having a really bad open moment in the scripture. What a wretched man I am. He's like, you wretch, you poor person. Then he cries out and he says, listen to this. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to to death. What does he need rescuing from? The body. Remember? The body is a bad leader. The soul is a bad leader. Who will rescue me from this physical? Who will rescue me? Listen to what he says. Thanks be to God who what? Delivers. There's the cup of deliverance. Who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. I, I, I want you to understand that there is victory over sin through Christ. You, the, the scripture says that he who's been born again does not continue in sin. That we actually work hard and say, no, I'm turning my back on that thing. And I'm going to listen to my spirit and make that stronger so that my body and my soul, my mind, will, and emotions come into alignment with what God wants to do. I want you to know today, absolutely for certain, there's victory over sin. You do not have to stay stuck in any addiction. You do not have to stay stuck in any area of compromise. There is victory today through Christ. The second area that we commonly uh, carry around in, in terms of baggage that we need deliverance of is we need healing from wounds. We need healing from wounds. And I would say this this way. This is what others have done to us. This is what others have done to us. Look what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 and 27 says. Um, it says, And do not sin by letting 
anger control you. I'm going to speak to that in just a moment. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For angry gives a foothold to the devil. I want you to understand something. Anger is never the first feeling that you feel. What precedes anger is hurt. It's wounding. And this says, you don't need to let wounding control you. Do you hear? Listen to me. Wounding wants to control you. Wounding those situations that you've gone through in your life. Other people mistreating you. It wants to control you. And you know what this says? That is an opportunity for Satan to get a foothold. I want to, uh, 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 just a few weeks ago, I spoke a message in here on, on forgiveness. And uh, a lot of people were really transformed by that. You can go online and listen to that message at InvernessCalvary.com. Uh, listen to it. If you're a wounded if you're wounded here from what other people have done to you, go and listen to that message. It'll change your life. The principle of forgiveness will set you free. And you'll come out of that personal prison. So we carry around these areas of baggage. And we need victory over sin. We need healing from wounds. But here's another thing that, that we kind of need to deal with. Because these are areas where we're just carrying around this stuff and we don't know how to take authority over the devil. We have sin issues, we have wounding issues, but then then the other side of it is, is that there is a spiritual component and you have an enemy named Satan. He hates you. To, to him, you look like God. You're created in his image. The Bible describes him as a roaring, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I, I just want to challenge you today is don't, don't just shrug off like the devil's a myth or don't think that you can just administrate away a devil. You cannot. You need to get your spiritual fortitude built up so that you can take authority over the devil. You say, do I really have all that going on? Yes, of course you do. Ephesians chapter 6, the apostle Paul admonishes us and says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I want to call your attention to that that word. In the Greek, it is schematizo. It is it is, he has laid out a blueprint, planned it, perfected it, and then went to institute it in your life. That's what a scheme is. It's a schematic. He has a plan to come against you. And we as believers need to understand that there is more at work than what you can see. And we as believers have to learn how to take authority over the enemy. We have to learn to take authority over the enemy when the enemy comes against us. So, if those are some of the common areas of struggle and the baggage that we carry, how do we really drink of this cup that God is offering, this awesome promise of deliverance? The very first thing 
that you're going to have to do is address what the Apostle Paul addressed when he continued the story from Romans chapter 7 into Romans chapter 8. The story keeps going. He doesn't end with just, oh, I'm a wretch, I need deliverance. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says this, for there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Look at me. You're going to have to settle this. You're going to have to just receive this. If you have issues, and you do, you've got to be okay with saying, I got some issues. You know why? Because God's saying, I'm not condemning you because you had issues. He says, no, I came into Egypt with mighty acts and an outstretched arm. I came into your sin-filled world with a perfect lamb. And, and he was crucified on a cross and three days in a grave. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. He said, I delivered you by mighty acts. You don't have any reason to be ashamed. You don't have any reason to be condemned. You need to settle it. If you choose today to stay in shame, it's not because of God. God said, listen, I'm I'm not condemning you. I'm not condemning you. You're in Christ. But he is calling you out. Now listen, this is a a message for the South especially. In the South, we, um, you know... We know how to put on our good face when we're going to church, right? And everybody knows your whole car was fighting on the way. Everybody knows. You, y'all were fighting on the way to church. You were arguing. And y'all, you know, if y'all are like me, y'all, y'all are going to look happy. Okay? Look happy. Y'all know what's really going on. It, you know, it's, it's the truth. And so we walk in the church and we're like, oh, praise the Lord. How you doing? Yeah. How you doing? Oh, I'm good, brother. Blessed, highly favored. <laughs> you fought with your wife the whole way to church. We need to we need to get real. We need to take the mask off. We have to just say, you know what? I'm not condemned because he doesn't condemn me. And since he doesn't condemn me, he's calling me into wholeness and healing. Now listen, you have to settle the fact that you don't have to fake it. You belong to Him and the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now, what are the differences between those who, who, who are saved and those who are, who are saved but stuck? Romans 8, 5, and 6 goes on to say this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature. What is that? The soul and the body. Think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think that which pleases the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Do you hear that? Body and soul, bad leaders. But letting your spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I want to say this. There is a key to unlocking this. 
And I know that most of the time you would think, well, you know, this is just the time where you, you say, well, you need to renew your mind to the Word, and you do. And, and the Word of God is life-changing, and you do need to pray. But there's another key that is absolutely life-changing, and I believe is one of the biggest reasons why people stay stuck in cup two. And that is this. Relationships are key. Relationships are the key that unlocks your thinking. It is through your associations that everything needs to change. Sometimes we say it to to young people this way. uh, Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I I, want to ask you something. Men in here, who who are you in deep relationship with that you are opening up to? That is so uncomfortable for us. That is so kind of opposite the flesh. Who are we in deep relationship with so that we can unlock this cup of deliverance. We need some new associations. Listen, Proverbs 28, 13 says this very clearly. Listen, listen to this. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but he who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Now, you may think to yourself at first, wow, that's just talking about God. And listen, God is absolutely amazing when it comes to forgiving sins. You, don't, you, you, you should know that for sure, that First John 1, 9, it does say, he who confesses his sins to, to God, he is, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God does that. Absolutely. But did you know that there's a measure of healing that you will never receive unless you open your mouth to another human being? James 5, look at this, James 5, look at this. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I heard Pastor Chris Hodges say it this way, go to God for forgiveness, you need to go to God's people for healing. You go to God for forgiveness, listen, God will cleanse you. God will, but I'm telling you, your associations, listen to me. Can you imagine that God is waiting to release a physical healing, a spiritual healing, something that you've been tormented with for years? He's just waiting on you to talk to someone. And he's saying, I'm going to get involved. You've got to get some new associations, some new relationships with some people who can release the healing of God in your life. Now there's three real key areas, and I'm just going to say these really quickly. There's really three things, very practical things, that you can do. Number one, you can declare a new association with God through water baptism. Water baptism is a way you publicly tell everyone, I've got a new association 
with God. And a new association with his people. Water baptism doesn't save you, but this wedding ring doesn't make me married. But it tells everybody else I am. Water baptism is powerful, it's spiritual, and it's one way that you can declare a new association. I would go uh, on to say this. You need to be a church member. And I don't mean on a roll somewhere. That's, that's so far from what the Bible is talking about. I mean the member of a body. An actual, life-giving, purpose-filled member associated with other people in the kingdom. You need to be connected. Listen, you can say, well, no, I can, it could just be me and Jesus at home. Listen, there are 30 commands in the New Testament you cannot obey if you do that. You have got to get connected. You've got to get connected to a local body. And listen, you, everyone here, maybe, maybe you're new here, maybe you're not called here. But there are a lot of good churches. We want you here. We believe that God has brought you here. But if not, go find the one that he called you to and be a life-giving member of that church. Then I would go on to say it this way. We don't only need the big church, we need the small church too. We need to be a part of a small group. And that's the place where you take the mask off. And this is the thing that so impacted me when I heard this message. Is that deliverance is waiting on somebody that you can take the mask off with. I don't care what the small group is. It could be ultimate Frisbee. If you're leading, that, if you're leading a small group, by the way. The goal of every small group leader is to have a moment where everybody, not all at the same time, but everyone at some point has an opportunity to take the mask off. You know why? Because it's in that moment God will release healing. Some of you haven't been a, a part of a small group. Listen, go out in the foyer. There are small groups listed out there. They're, they're every single one of them. Find the one that, that you like, that, that fits your life and fits the night. But go and be a part of one. Why? Because there are there's a revelation of Jesus waiting in that group for you. There's healing there for you. I want to say something and finish it by saying this. There's a healing available from God waiting on you in God's people. You just have to find it. And it's in that cup of deliverance that God brings healing. Victory over sin. Victory from wounds. And man, we can take on anything that the devil throws at us. Let's bow our heads. There are people who are stuck today. And I just want I just want you to pray, and I'm going to pray for you. First of all, you're really stuck if you don't know what God has so graciously offered to us in relationship through His Son.
we haven't drank from the first cup, we're not moving on. I want to say this to you today. All you have to do is believe. Give Him your life. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is your Lord, He's your boss, you will be saved. It's that simple. And you just need to say that to Him. God, right now I surrender my life to You. I repent. I turn from my sin and I turn to You. God, I give You my life. And then there are those of you who are stuck today and you need this cup of deliverance. Listen, this is where the hard work begins. You're going to have to take a step of faith. You're going to have to step out. You're going to have to get involved with some other people. But when you do, there's a healing from heaven waiting on you. Father, I pray for these, Lord, under the sound of my voice today. And Holy Spirit, I ask for revelation to come to every man, every woman in here about where they are to be connected so that they can experience this cup of deliverance, so that they can be encouraged while it's still called today, so that they don't get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. God, I ask, Lord, right now in Jesus' name that you would come and, Lord, that we would every single one of us drink from this cup of deliverance so that we can move on into the deeper promises that you have of, of working through us. God, we're, we're none, none of us yet are perfect, but, you, Lord, you are perfecting us. And, God, you're calling us into a higher place. And so, Lord, today I just pray in Jesus' name, deliverance over my brothers and sisters. The ongoing deliverance brought through your body in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Hope to see you next week with uh, Pastor Steve uh, Mayanja. It's going to be a great week. We love you guys. If anybody needs any prayer today, we'd love to, to pray with you. God bless you. Have a great day.